Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to the World Below, and this video concerns chaotic sorceries. Just like with the Storypath Ultra video, and with our combat video, my intention here is to break chaotic sorceries down in a simplistic and rapid fashion to hopefully help you understand chaotic sorcery and how it plays into the World Below role-playing game. So let's get started. Firstly, what is sorcery? Well, sorcery, I imagine pretty apparent this one, is magic. These are our spellcasting abilities, our special powers, our disciplines, our gifts. The things that set our protagonists apart from the vast majority of mortals in the World Below setting. Why are they called chaotic sorceries? Well, chaos is the ether, is the primal power source that emerges from the well, or at least is believed to, uh, at the heart of the world below. In theory, the closer you are to the well, the more potent your sorceries become. Uh, chaotic isn't just a setting term, however. They are also chaotic in uh, nature and practice because when you use your sorceries, you run the risk of triggering what is called a chaotic retaliation. If you're familiar with wild magic or paradox backlashes or other systems where there can be secondary effects to using magic, that is what a chaotic retaliation is. Sometimes it's beneficial, sometimes it's not. The whole nature of chaos is you have very little control over whether it is a good or a bad thing. Now, chaotic sorceries come in two categories. We have structured sorcery or structured chaos, and we have wild chaos. Firstly, structured. Structured chaos is uh, chaotic sorceries that are divided into categories based on the callings you are playing. These are called wisdoms. As examples... The Silhouettes, our rogue assassin-like calling, has access to the Umbral Wisdom. Uh, the Umbral Wisdom concerns sorceries of a shadowy, darkness-manipulating, form-shifting nature. Uh, meanwhile, alchemists have access to a transmutation wisdom, and transmutation will affect the very substance of materials, may indeed bring life back to death, may be able to change water, a tidal wave, let's say, into a block of ice the size of a glacier. Then you have something like bow, which is the wisdom of the holies, and holy wisdom uh, concerns itself with healing people, or casting judgments upon people, or even branding people with sigils that you can then follow through walls, passages, and across multiple strata. There are various wisdoms. Now, in some cases, characters of different callings can access sorceries from different wisdoms. But the one truism is that if you are a silhouette, you have access to all umbral sorceries providing you hit the prerequisites within that wisdom. Likewise, all alchemists have access to all transmutation sorceries as long as they hit the prerequisites, and so on. So, using a structured sorcery. Well, the good news is the World Below Core rulebook has a vast number of structured sorceries detailed for you. This is your spell list, your list of powers that you would find in many role-playing games. And so everything from the ability to create a weapon from nothingness, to imbue a weapon with some kind of special tag or magical ability, uh, through to uh, creating air or an element where there was none, uh, through to changing your very shape or appearance, 
through to bringing the dead back to life. All of these things are sorceries, and all of them are, of course, covered within the book as structured sorceries. Each one has its own name. Each one has its own dice pool that you use to uh, activate the sorcery. And each one has prerequisites that your character needs to hit before they can use this sorcery. These are the spells you would put in your book if they were a game in a game where spell books were much of a thing. As it is, you'll be noting them on your character sheet as you buy them in character creation and with experience points. So, how to use a structured sorcery. As I mentioned, there are dice pools associated with them. Uh, there are two different kinds of structured sorcery, really. You've got the structured sorcery that is a simple action... Uh, this is a structured sorcery that is a spell casting ability essentially in its own right. So as an example, Mend the Flesh, which is a bow sorcery for the holies, is a very simple healing sorcery. Uh, the prerequisites to use it are to have two dots in medicine and two dots in composure. Now if you have them, great. When you roll to activate this sorcery, you're going to be rolling medicine plus composure, because those were your prerequisites. If you were accessing this sorcery from a different calling, you would have different prerequisites and therefore a different dice pool to use. Now, in order to use that sorcery, you roll the dice, and just like with the StoryPath Ultra system detailed previously, you're looking for 8s, 9s, and 10s in order to score your hits. Difficulty on structured sorceries always tends to be one. It is very easy to activate a structured sorcery. The more hits you achieve, the more likely it is you'll be able to buy additional effects with your sorcery. So, as an example, Mend the Flesh allows you to wound a target within close... Oh, sorry, heal the wound of a target within close range. That would be quite the opposite of Mend the Flesh. Rend the Flesh, maybe. And uh, what that does is it basically clears out an entire injury level on the character. Now, if you achieve additional hits, um, you can get someone at a more distant range. Perhaps you can heal someone who's further away from you. Or you may be able to heal multiple targets. Or you may be able to heal uh, status effects like someone who is in agony or someone who is insensate. All of these things can be achieved with additional hits and are detailed within the sorcery description. But, you'll note earlier I mentioned chaotic retaliations. Well, it's all very well knowing how to cast a sorcery and see whether you're successful, but various things can add complications to your sorcery attempt, and this is where chaotic retaliations come in. Chaotic retaliations are minor, moderate, and major, and they conform to the complications being minor, moderate, or major. Complications arise on a sorcery from everything from distractions to the stratum that you're occupying. The, uh, it tends to be that pretty much every calling other than chaosists, the complication gets worse the lower you go. Uh, for chaosists, it gets worse the higher up you are. Uh, if you possess chaos, chaos rocks, uh, if you possess deep stones, those are like abyssal stones. All of these things can affect your enhancements to using your sorcery, but most importantly, your complications. Because when you go to calculate how many complications you have, that determines the kind of chaotic retaliation you will get if you do not just buy off the difficulty, but also those complications. So... 
in our example of mend the flesh. Let's say that we are, well, let, let's take a really wild example, and we're somewhere where there is chaotic energy flowing loosely. Someone has just detonated an entire building with a chaotic effect. We're very close to the well. There's all kinds of uh, <laughs> chaotic debris, wild chaos rocks that look fit to detonate. I'm basically saying, what I'm saying here, is we have a major complication on our role. So it's only still difficulty one to use our sorcery, but if we want to buy off the complication, we're going to need three additional hits. Let's take an example uh, where we're unable to do that. Well, we would then navigate to the chaotic retaliation table for major chaotic retaliations. We'd roll, uh, in this case, 2d10 uh, to calculate what retaliation effects we get. I'm going to just run through a few of them to show you some of those retaliations. So, for example, if I roll a 5, that's freezing. A snap cold brings ice and chill to all present, imparting the extreme temperature cold area effect, exactly where you're standing. Uh, if I'd rolled 13, poison, the caster suffers the fast-acting toxin status effect. But there are also positive uh, effects with major retaliation, just as there are with all others. Uh, as an example, we may have something like empowered. The caster benefits from the flush with chaos status effects. Uh, so there are a variety of chaotic retaliations you can get for minor, moderate, and major. But that's basically chaotic sorcery. All you're doing is working out the environmental chaotic energies, the level you are at, the items you're holding, what is going on around you, essentially. That determines the complication, and if you can't buy it off, well, then you navigate to the chaotic retaliation tables, roll your dice, and see what happens as well as your power. Because remember, you can still successfully use your sorcery, but if you don't buy off the complication, the chaotic retaliation follows. Now, I mentioned Wild Chaos earlier, and this is uh, basically, after I've said this, this is it. Wild Chaos is undefined. We do not have special powers denoted and described for Wild Chaos, because that isn't the point of Wild Chaos. Wild Chaos enables you to come up with your own abilities, and each factor added to these abilities, whether you are trying to create something with an area effect, and that effect is supposed to be, let's say, lethal, maybe it's a whirling blades, and perhaps you want them to carry a certain elemental tag. Every single single feature you add adds difficulty and complication to the wild chaos effect you're going for. And therefore, you can come up with your own sorceries, but they are far more likely to be more difficult, and with it, they're far more likely to trigger chaotic retaliations. And so, wild chaos is something that you will typically pull upon because you are in a situation where you don't have the appropriate sorcery, but you still want an effect. This is a, there's a very good example, for instance, if you are without a holy and you do have no one who can heal a, a character in the party, well, you may pull on wild chaos to do it. You can do it, absolutely you can try, but just keep in mind that when you try, uh, you are running the risk of triggering a chaotic retaliation or, of course, not succeeding on your sorcery because this is a wild effect.
So structured sorceries, you're going to note them on your character sheet. You're going to buy them because they are specific spells. Uh, wild chaos, you will be creating different wild chaos effects whenever you do it. Of course, you may come up with favoured combinations, favoured sorceries that you develop through wild chaos. Note them on your character sheet as well. You even come up with the dice pool you need. It just has to be a vaguely appropriate for the wild chaos effect you are looking for. So agree it with your story guide when you do it. That is more or less it. Uh, chaosists have slightly different relationships with uh, how they use sorceries. So, as mentioned, they will benefit in some places where other callings would uh, be punished uh, for trying to utilize chaos in that area. Uh, as examples, I mentioned chaosists benefit from being closer to the well, whereas other callings may find their retaliations a little more potent closer to the well. But inversely, uh, Chaosists struggle the closer they are to the surface, and vice versa. So, with all that said, that is Chaotic Sorcery. We have loads of these Chaotic Sorceries within the book. I'm sure I will go into some of them as these videos continue. But do check them out when the manuscript is released during the uh, World Below back a kit campaign and let us know your thoughts which chaotic sorceries really appeal to you and which are you coming up with using the wild chaos uh, tables and suggestions that are within the chaotic sorcery chapter thank you very much for watching